So this morning, the uh, day before Thanksgiving, I want to um, continue really exploring the four foundations of mindfulness. And today in particular, look at um, the second foundation of mindfulness, which is mindfulness of the sense of pleasant, unpleasant, uh, or neutral. We call this mindfulness of feeling tone. And I've chosen to continue with this theme um, rather than, as we often do the day before Thanksgiving, talk about generosity and gratitude, a more traditional Thanksgiving theme. Um, but I want to, in some ways, work in some Thanksgiving material into the exploration of the second foundation of mindfulness. Very relevant. <laughs> many people on Thanksgiving experience many pleasant sensations, and you're very, I'm sure, all very eager to know, how can I really practice with that Thanksgiving meal? How can I bring attention to that meal so that those pleasant sensations can be the starting point for practice rather than for gorging. <laughs> and I also want to bring in, in some way, the, uh, not, or, so it's not just the starting point for gorging, but for the starting point of pleasant becoming unpleasant. <laughs> um, I also want to bring in, I think in some ways, something that also is on many of our minds, which is the uh, um, situation in the Middle East. Uh, in Gaza and uh, with Israel. And I, I'm going to touch on that and bring, connect that with some of the themes of the talk because I think they're quite, uh, quite connected, but not in a, in a fairly um, brief way. Really. So, so we've been looking in uh, the last weeks here at the uh, teaching of the Four Foundations of Mindfulness, which is the core teaching um, that's the basis for this very center, for Spirit Rock, <coughs> for those of us who practice mindfulness, uh, for those of us who um, really meditate in this tradition, the core practice is mindfulness. And so I wanted to give more detail, and this partly came from the group wanting it, hearing that I was doing it other places, but not here, <laughs> and saying, why not here? And so uh, we're we were going through the four foundations over probably about eight weeks. So um, roughly two weeks for each, each uh, foundation or each basic practice. And the four foundations of mindfulness are first, mindfulness of the body. Second, mindfulness of what we call feeling tone, pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. Third, mindfulness of what we can call thoughts and emotions. And fourth is called the mindfulness of dhammas. I think of it as mindfulness of some of the, of the larger patterns of experience. So I think of the first three as training to develop mindfulness of the different constituents of experience, and particularly uh, experiences of the body, thoughts, emotions. And then today, this special focus, which would be probably less predictable if you were just saying, okay, I'm going to train in mindfulness. What will I be training in? Well, training in mindfulness of the body, kind of obvious. Training in being skillful with thoughts and emotions, pretty obvious. Maybe the last one, training in seeing some of the larger patterns of experience, both in terms of my personal patterns, uh, of you know, what happens with my mind, what are my own personal patterns of conditioning, and then also looking at some of the 
patterns, uh, larger patterns of experience according to core teachings. That's what the fourth foundation is about. That, those seem kind of obvious. And the second foundation is less obvious. It's very interesting. So, and yet, uh, I would almost say that this second foundation that we'll explore today is almost more at the center of practice than any other foundation. And so, and it's, it's a little bit of a dark horse, so to speak, in that it's, uh, it's not always obvious. But what I hope to do today is to really bring out the importance and the power of looking attentively at pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral sensations, emotions, thoughts, and so forth. So, and to really try to support that idea that this is surprisingly central to our own well-being, freedom, and uh, deeper happiness. Okay, that's my, that's my uh, quest. So what I, what I want to do, uh, first I want to do this in three parts. Uh, first I want to, right at the beginning, talk about why this training in looking at feeling tone is important. And then secondly, I want to explore a little bit more the nature of pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral, generally. And thirdly, I want to talk about uh, a number of ways to practice, to, as it were, bring this teaching home, um, to bring it to our experience, uh, and, and invite us to explore it, particularly in the next week. Hopefully, a number of you can practice it. We can come back next time and, and compare notes. So why, why is this second foundation so important? The second foundation of mindfulness. And remembering that what we mean by mindfulness is this ability to be attentive and notice what's happening in the present moment and be with it without reaction. To be with it in a full way without reactivity so that we're just noticing, okay, here's a thought. Here is a strong emotion going on. Here are sensations in the body and so forth. And to really be able just to notice that this is the center of our practice. And it's particularly important because a lot of the tendencies of our mind and body and emotions um, are to become reactive and to, in some way, uh, lead, as we were looking at earlier, to storylines or or ways of thinking that we get caught in, ways of reacting that we get caught in, which can be linked to suffering, personal, interpersonal, and social. And uh, mindfulness is presented in the text that we're looking at. It's presented as a very basic, perhaps the most basic tool that is conducive to freedom. Amazing. Simply by knowing what's happening in the present moment, we can come to greater freedom. Amazing, right? So, so simple, right? Why didn't someone else think about it earlier? <laughs> Why didn't I think about it before I came to Spirit Rock, maybe? You know, it's, it's, it's very simple. So I think I can bring that out um, looking at the, uh, the second foundation of uh, pleasant, unpleasant, neutral. But I hope that people also continue with what we've looked at the last two times, which is mindfulness of the body and being attentive to the awareness of the body which is really, I think, in this culture, really, really central. And that mindfulness of the body is also uh, very important in our being uh, attentive to feeling tone. It really presupposes that we've, 
been developing the other foundations as well. So let me just say a little bit first about what the, the word. Um, the word that I'm talking about as feeling tone is uh, Vedana in the Pali language, in the language of the uh, discourses of the Buddha, V-E-D-A-N-A. And um, the term is often translated as feeling. And in fact, even in the text that I have for us, it's tr- this is by now the standard translation by Bhikkhu Bodhi, Vedana is translated as feeling, which I think is um, not the best translation. Because feeling in English has so many different connotations. And it can get very confusing. We can, you know, I mean, feeling itself has multiple meanings, right? Feeling can mean at least three major, have at least three major connotations. It can mean a sensation in the body. It can mean emotion at times. And it also can mean like a sense. My feeling was that this, the feel, my feeling the situation didn't feel right, right? Which is more like a, almost like a, an attitude or a view. So feeling is very um, multi, uh, multi, as we would say, multivalent <laughs> term. I haven't used that word for like six years. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but it means it has many meanings. And, and I think feeling tone is much better. So when you read feeling tone in any translations or discussions, it's really about, um, when it's really about feeling tone. And it's, it really refers to this very basic sense, which is taken to be very primitive in our experience. You know, it's the kind of thing that we can trace like in, you know, bacteria, right? Bacteria have a reaction. This is pleasant. This is unpleasant. It's a very primitive dimension of our experience. It's, and it's taken to be something that's happening every moment. There's a sense that this moment has either pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral qualities. At every mo- And sometimes it's, of course, m- larger, or we can feel it more. But the sense is that every moment, even right now, if you check in, what's my... What in my predominant experience is the feeling tone right now? For me, if I tune in right now, um, it's different if I tune into different places. If I tune into my body, basically pleasant. I notice some tightness in my back. I think I will shift, <laughs> you know. And I can tune in like that, you know. And I can tune in my my attention goes moment to moment to things. We can have, we can have. Um, pleasant or unpleasant uh, feeling tone in relation to body sensations, in relation to thoughts, in relation to emotions. In other words, all aspects of experience. I can have, I can have it in relation to internal experience, thoughts, emotions, uh, body sensations. I can have a feeling tone in relation to a larger situation, right? I can go to the par- a party and feel very pleasant feeling tone. Yes, I think I'll stay. Or I can feel it. We sometimes call that vibes, right? Like, you know, it's like unple- you know, something unpleasant happening. You know? and, but generally, it's something very simple. Emotions are a little more complex. They kind of build from the feeling tone. So why, why is feeling tone uh, so important? Why is it crucial? The basic reason is, is that when we are unattentive to the pleasant, we will tend to grab hold of things. When I have a pleasant sensation, 
I will tend to be grasping. I will tend to grab hold of the pleasant to make it continue. When there's an unpleasant feeling tone, I will tend to push away what I'm experiencing. That's probably more obvious, right? We have an unpleasant sensation, we shift. Have an unpleasant emotion, we kind of something, we do something, we react. We have an unpleasant experience with another person, we may react. And when we're not attentive to it, we will tend to be reactive somewhat unconsciously and push whatever we think is connected with that unpleasant feeling tone away. And when we are uh, unattentive to the neutral sensations, which is a large part of our experience, we will tend to space out. We will tend to actually not see what's happening, not notice. In other words, when we're not attentive to pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral, we will tend towards greed, aversion, and delusion. It's as simple as that. Now, I'll try to unpack that in, in more detail. One of the ways that this is brought out is in one of the fundamental teachings that was actually the core teaching that the Buddha had on the night of his awakening. It's called the teaching of dependent arising. And it, it gives probably one of the most clear accounts of how this process works. And I won't go into all of this. It's, it's got 12 factors. I'll be pretty brief with this. Maybe another time we can look at this in more in more depth. But it basically uh, says there are a number of factors. These are the, about the first I think um, five factors that we bring to experience. We bring, when we are not wise, we bring a certain amount of ignorance. We could, in Western terms, we would say we bring unconscious material to experience. And then we also bring, we bring our habitual tendencies. We bring our, uh, just the uh, basic um, qualities of being a human being. We have our senses working. We have mind and body. And this is what's talked about in the model. We bring to experience both our basic human capabilities and whatever level of ignorance and habitual um, conditioning we have. Then then the, the model begins that's relevant for us. Then it's said there is contact with an object. In other words, let's say my hand touches, let's say my hand touches the, the water here, okay? Contact. Um, based on the contact, there's feeling tone, a sense of pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. So right now, it's a little unpleasant, a little cool with my finger, you know? And based on the feeling tone, of uh, in this case, pleasant, I will tend to um, have uh, either a desire, in the case of pleasant, or... A, an aversion in the case of unpleasant. In this case, I have some aversion to having my finger sticking in the water. Okay? <laughs> okay. I, didn't, I didn't think of this example beforehand, but I think it's, it's, it's working okay. And, um, and then on the basis of that, uh, I will tend, if I'm not being attentive, simply to react and to grab hold of what's pleasant or to push away what's unpleasant. Of course, I can do it consciously with mindfulness and just bring my finger out of the water. Um, <clears throat> where might this, how might this work in other ways which are more problematic? I have contact with um, a Thanksgiving dessert. I experience pleasant. My mind says, you know, I like this. Let's have more. And so we 
we notice, as it were, the um, fork going for more, even while the chewing is still occurring, <coughs> without so much tasting, but just the mind saying, I want this, <laughs> right? And we will tend to, and of course, if we really get carried away by that, we will just be having more and more of the apple pie without attending to our body, just going by the desire and the grasping. Okay? In the case of the, the unpleasant, <coughs> um, we might, you know, maybe uh, half an hour later, feel unpleasant sensations in the body from overeating. And we might react to that and might say, I don't want this. You know, this is awful. I think I'll take a nap or I think I'll take um, Pepto-Bismol. <laughs> Do people take Pepto-Bismol these days? Yeah. I, th- I took it like three times in my life and it wasn't a good experience. <laughs> Led to aversion. <laughs> um, and so we, you can see the process is that when, when, we, when we are not attempted to the process, we will tend to react unconsciously and we will tend to grasp and we will tend to push away some, somewhat compulsively. And in the Buddhist teachings, this keeps habits going. The habit might be when I want something, I just grab hold or when, I'm, when I don't like something, I just push away unconsciously. And it keeps the habit cycles going. And it keeps, you know, and again, in some instances, this would be worse than others. Something like addiction, it keeps cycles of addiction going, right? Very, very clear. So that's the, that's the basic teaching. And it's, you can see that a lot happens between contact and whether we grasp or not, whether we grasp or push away compulsively. <clears throat> and again, this, this isn't just about something maybe as simple as food. This is also <clears throat> what we do interpersonally and socially, right? Someone says something mean to me, I have a sense, although I'm often not aware of it, this is really unpleasant or painful, and I lash back out with my words, right? And that can set up um, interpersonal conflict. A lot of what's happening in the Middle East is a very complicated version of people reacting to pain, pushing it away, in this case, you know, uh, maybe attacking and defending and so forth. And again, it's, um, there are a lot of complications, but in some ways it's that simple. You know? And so the aim of all this is actually to be attentive <clears throat> to the feeling tone, to the tendencies towards reactions, towards the wanting, towards the pushing away, towards the tendencies to grasping, in order to act wisely. It doesn't mean that I don't have that second piece of apple pie. It doesn't mean that I keep my finger in the water. It's not about passivity. It's about moving from the unconscious to wisdom. That's what all this is about. And seeing that when we don't uh, act with awareness, when we're not aware of these tendencies, so much is happening automatically that causes, um, that can cause suffering. That's, that's why this is so important. A Tibetan um, practitioner, American Tibetan practitioner, Reginald Ray, who some of you may, whose work some of you may know, who's a scholar and a teacher, he said, the entirety of the spiritual path occurs between contact and grasping. That all of the action to either, where we either become 
caught in habits and caught in conditioning on the one hand, who are able to free ourselves, occurs in that <coughs> interval between contact and grasping. So that sequence of contact, <coughs> feeling tone, desire her aversion, grasping her pushing away. That the whole of the path occurs in that interval. It's quite a statement, right? Very, very powerful. So let's look, this is the second part, let's look a little more carefully at what pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral are. And one of the, one of the uh, really interesting things about our uh, practice is that we get to look at this closely, and it actually is fascinating to look at this very basic level of experience and to study pleasant. And again, most of us will have a lot of opportunities tomorrow. And you can still have fun. Um, so we can look, let's look a little more at pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. And, and in our practice, we get to study it. Because normally, again, we typically react when there's pleasant or unpleasant, particularly. We react. We don't really stay with it. And here, the invitation is, can you actually bring your mindfulness so that if you're feeling something unpleasant, you just stay with it and see what it's like? And out of that awareness, there can come time, really, to say, what should I do? Is this wise? Or what's my tendency? What's going? What's happening? So a few more words about feeling tone in general. The teaching is that this is happening all the time, that every moment comes with some quality of pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral on a spectrum from agony to ecstasy. Most of our experience is somewhat in the middle. You know, it can go, but it can go all the way from that spectrum. And that every moment actually has that, uh, has that sense of feeling tone. Even, you know, every, if you can check in, even in every moment, right now, there is a feeling tone to where you attend. And one of the practices that we'll come to is actually, we can at first do this maybe for two or three minutes. Just try to track the sense of feeling tone moment to moment. You know, one of the examples which brings this out is, Think of your feeling tone when you wake up in the morning. Let's say you wake up with an alarm. What's the initial feeling tone? <laughs> Sometimes. Oh, no. Yeah, maybe, oh no. <laughs> oh my gosh. Could be unpleasant, right? And then you're up and, and then you go back to sleep for a while. Ah, oh, pleasant. And then, you, then maybe the, I don't know, the snooze alarm or whatever rings again. And, you say, and it's kind of an unpleasant thought or emotion. Oh, I guess I got to get up. And then you notice, oh, my bladder needs <laughs> attention, right? So unpleasant, right? And then you go to the bathroom, and then after a while, pleasant, right? You can, <laughs> then you say, oh, I'm hungry, okay? And you go, unpleasant. Then you go eat. Ah, pleasant, full, full stomach, right? So you can see how the whole day is pleasant, unpleasant, neutral like that. It's interesting to study, right? And how much of our behavior is uh, organized by our reactions or responses to pleasant or pleasant or neutral. It's a little humbling, right? I am a free autonomous being, totally at the mercy of feeling tone. <laughs> right? Something like that. And, and so we can, um, we can study it. So we can really see, uh, we can see uh, what these are. Um, one of the interesting things about pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral and feeling tone is that they are not necessarily um, uh, produced by the, the, by the object. In other words, feeling tone of pleasant and pleasant or neutral 
has a lot to do with my own subjective experience. We know this very well with food, right? Certain foods um, I will experience as pleasant and you will experience as unpleasant. I may experience a food I, you know, I didn't like eggs when I was young and now I like them okay. I don't eat them so much, but they're not unpleasant, right? Some of you may experience, how many of you have experienced at one time broccoli as unpleasant? <laughs> and now it may be pleasant, right? So it's interesting. And even something uh, can be pleasant at one moment, unpleasant at another. I once lived in a house, uh, this group house, and, uh, in, in Boston, and one of the members of our house was from Iraq, and she used to make, often on the weekends, used to make a baklava. And we had all-you-can-eat baklava. <laughs> now, you can see where this is... <laughs> can see where this is going, right? And so, um, first, first uh, chunk of baklava. What's the feeling tone? Very pleasant. Oh, pleasant. Very pleasant. You know, close to ecstasy, right? <laughs> close to ecstasy. Very, very pleasant. Second piece of baklava. Second, you know, pleasant, maybe not quite as exciting as the first piece, but still pretty pleasant. Third piece of baklava. Maybe getting a little bit in the neutral zone, <laughs> the neutral feeling tone. Fourth piece of baklava, starting to feel unpleasant, right? Interesting, right? Very, very interesting. And, you know, again, the same thing even uh, can be there for others. Uh, there's a wonderful story which I heard from Guy Armstrong, who also teaches here, about feeling tone in the case of music. And uh, there is music, which I don't know if I've heard much of, called Montavani, which is like, it's kind of music for airports or elevators, right? <laughs> and some people really like it. Guy said his mother really got into Montavani and had it on at home, right? <laughs> and, and he also heard this other story where in Southern California there was a 7-Eleven in which, at which uh, there was drug dealing going on in the parking lot. And the people didn't know what to do with it, about it. And eventually, they decided to uh, mount a loudspeaker in the parking lot and play Montavani. <laughs> <laughs> the drug dealing problem ended immediately because of the power of, of unpleasant feeling tone. Yeah. You, know, you know that. Miguel knows that 7-Eleven. Yeah. <laughs> so, are they still playing Montavani there? Are they still playing Montavani in the parking? No, no, it's in Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. And so that's a true story. But you can see that um, one person's pleasant feeling tone is another person's extremely unpleasant feeling tone. Right. So, so the feeling tone is um, not. Uh, linked with the object necessarily. That's very interesting, right? That's very, very interesting. So it means it's mostly about how I am reacting. It's about my own way of um, meeting the object and what's going on, going on inside. Um, and so we have a sense of the pleasant and unpleasant and neutral. And again, the problem with um, or the problem that this teaching is pointing to is not the experience of pleasant or the, or the experience of unpleasant. The problem is what one does with the pleasant 
or what one does with the unpleasant. In other words, the reactions. That's where we will tend to be unconscious and react. So the problem is not the pleasant. And pleasure in itself is not a problem. In fact, it can be actually very healing, very important, very beautiful. And um, I mentioned this once to a group that I was working with, that that pleasant is not the problem. I said, we could sit here all night just eating chocolate. And that would not be a problem with our practice, necessarily. It could, could become a problem. And they said, we'll do it, let's do it next time. <laughs> and so we did, and uh, we just sat there and were very mindful of the feeling tone associated with chocolate, which changed through the course of the evening, right? As people had more chocolate. And it's very interesting. So the invitation really is to really explore See what, this is ab- see what this is about. And the, the real issue is what happens when there's pleasant or unpleasant. Now, the reason we need to be mindful of this is that normally we're not mindful of pleasant or unpleasant and it just tends to trigger reactions, right? That's why we need to attend to it. That's why we really need to look to it. Um, in the text, you, you'll see that in, the Buddha divides pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral into what are called, in this translation, called worldly and unworldly. And I don't want to give so much attention to that, but just to explain what that means. Basically, he's dividing um, pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral experiences into first our more conventional experiences, which are pretty much all the ones that I've named so far. Just our experiences in, in um, everyday life, where we have a sense of pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. And this, this is what is generally called worldly, or it means what our normal experiences in the world are. But he also points out that there are, for the purposes of his teaching, he talks about unworldly, which is, again, I think a problematic translation. It really refers to what we might experience in meditative situations. Some people translate the word as spiritual. You know, in other words, there are certain pleasant experiences that occur in meditation. Many of you know, we all know a certain degree of calm can really have a very pleasant experience in the mind and the body. When the mind gets concentrated, there is certain bliss tends to um, happen, you know, whether it's the endorphins kick in, but there can be tremendous bliss connected with meditation. And th- this would be the example of the, the um, more so-called spiritual, pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral experiences. Similarly, there can be very normal, everyday, unpleasant experiences, and there can be uh, unpleasant experiences that are more what occur in meditation that are part of the almost sometimes part of a purification process that are that are not necess- not not they're, they're have to do with our learning our growth you know and so forth i don't want to get so much into that but just to explain what that is what that is in the text So really, how to how to practice with how to practice with uh, pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral? I gave um, a handout that has at least seven ways of practicing, and I just want to mention a few of these. You don't you don't have to really look at this. One one of them would be to really, um, and this is what we did in our guided meditation, to really have a lookout for when a sense of pleasant or unpleasant particularly becomes strong. 
and just really say, now is the chance to study my experience. And it's to, we could do this in meditation, or we could do this in the flow of everyday life. Let's say you're, uh, again, could be with food, very, very pleasant, just to take some moments and just actually explore what is the experience of the pleasant? What is it like? Again, you can do this with food, you can do this with any number of experiences. Take a bath, a shower, can feel the pleasant qualities and just sort of be there for a moment. Just say, let me just feel what it's like to, to have there be something pleasant there. Similarly, if there's something unpleasant uh, that's predominant, you can notice that. In meditation, there could be some unpleasant sensations in the body, just to tune in and stay with it. Notice if there's any tendency to react coming from the experience of pleasant or unpleasant. The prediction would that is that there would be, right? that there be tendencies to react in certain ways. You know, if you, if you are sick, for example, you can notice, okay, the body doesn't feel good. Is there a tendency to re- react? There's a powerful quotation from the Buddha where he said of someone who is sick, his body is unpleasant, but his mind is not afflicted. So it's possible to have unpleasant sensations of different kinds, unpleasant emotions, unpleasant thoughts, and with mindfulness to not be reactive. That's where that's really one of the fruits of our practice. You know, as we do this more, we can we can we can stay with the unpleasant experiences, for example, and just stay with them. You can go, for example, you can go outside, let's say, and let's say that there's the experience of cold. You can just say, okay, it's unpleasant. Let me just stay and see what unpleasant is. What's the experience of unpleasant? Maybe my body's contracting a little bit. My mind's saying, I don't like this. This is cold. And just stay with it for a while. Again, this isn't about being passive with um, whatever's happening, but it's about being mindful so that we can have a wise response. And again, wise response might be to uh, zip up the coat, right? <laughs> but more that it's, it's actually we can explore what this is like. One of my Tibetan teachers, he actually does a meditation where he has people put their hand with a lot of pressure, like on, put your thumb with a lot of pressure on your hand in a way that's painful, and just study that. You know, you know that it's not going to cause any damage, but just notice what's, what, uh, what's the experience of the un- You can even do it right now. What's the experience of the unpleasant? Where does the mind go? Does it start saying, I wonder how long he's going to keep us with this? <laughs> right? And just to notice something like that. It's just to study it. So we can, we can take... We can take the um, uh, stronger experiences of pleasant and unpleasant uh, and, and study what, the, what they're like. And particularly be on the lookout for the reactions. You have an unpleasant experience socially. What, what tends to happen? Do you tend to have negative reactive thoughts towards another? Someone says something un- that you find unpleasant to yourself. Where does your mind go? Most of our minds would tend to react in some way. And again, we may want to have a skillful response, but what we're looking for is mindfulness so we can actually not be simply driven compulsively by our reactions. That's the heart of this. That's why this is so central to freedom. You know, it's to really be mindful. Um, another, 
practice this as a second is to, for a short time, just explore what the neutral feels like. Usually we don't pay attention to neutral. You know, maybe right now your experience may be in the neutral zone uh, or close to it. What is that like? What is it like to have neutral an experience that's neither particularly pleasant or unpleasant? Does the mind tend to wander? Uh, does the mind go away? Do, do we get bored and so forth? Another way to practice is to check in periodically during the day or during the meditation and say, what's my mood right now? What's the predominant feeling tone right now? And just check in for, for uh, a little while. You know, this is used sometimes in a lot of the meetings uh, where people have a, a lot of attention to group process. It's very helpful when you start a meeting to kind of have, have a check-in <coughs> and people more or less say what, the, they don't use the word feeling tone, they say, how are you feeling right now? It's very helpful in a meeting to know if someone comes, comes in really angry and irritated, right? You can know that and it helps to maybe give some compassion but also some understanding if the person starts acting in an angry and irritated way in the meeting, right? So it's actually a skillful group process. We'll tune in to where each person's at. It's a kind of like a periodic uh, checking in. Um, another way, this is the fourth that's listed on the sheet, is to actually take a, a, at first a short period and try to follow feeling tone moment to moment. You know, a little bit like that example of you get up with the alarm, the bathroom and so forth. Can you, but you can do it in meditation just for three minutes. Try to track feeling tone moment to moment and just watch it. Ultimately, you can do that for possibly for a longer time. Another very important practice is to be aware of how feeling tone is impermanent. One of the things about feeling tone, particularly a strong pleasant or unpleasant, it, has, it attaches so much importance to itself, doesn't it? <laughs> you know, like, it's like you know, a strong, pleasant experience, and it's almost like central control. The little human being inside the big human being says, okay, we have an emergency here. All hands on deck. Pleasant experience. What are we going to do? Okay, let's, let's, okay, should we have another piece? What are people going to think? Yes, oh, go, go. You know, or whatever. Or, or we have unpleasant experiences. It's a little bit like that. There's, and when we can actually just stay with unpleasant and pleasant, and kind of rest with a soft awareness, it can be profoundly freeing, profoundly liberating to actually stay with something which maybe usually makes us act, right? Usually make, you know, I have an unpleasant feeling at home, you know, maybe something I'm sad or I feel lonely. Can I just stay with that emotion rather than react as we often do? You know, maybe some of us might react by eating something or by trying to distract ourselves or watching television or something. Can I just stay with the unpleasant feeling tone? And often when we do that, sometimes we have to hang in there, we watch it pass. We watch it end. And that can be profoundly um, educative. It can really, we can really learn tremendously from that, from that experience. So noticing how feeling tones are impermanent is quite important because they come with that, that sense of self-importance as if this is going to last forever. It's really important. You have to act on it immediately. And then the, the sixth practice I have is holding all of this with some compassion and some, you know, heartfulness. Because some of this is actually to see how much we're conditioned. 
And it can be humbling right, to hold this all with some compassion. And then really lastly, the practice is, can I rest with that quality of mindfulness and notice the passing stream of unpleasant and pleasant and really rest in a kind of an awareness which is bigger than the sense of pleasant or unpleasant (coughs) and which can be a source of freedom and even rest. Just can I rest in something, this large awareness that can just be with the flow of pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral and see it as passing and not be so hooked. That's the direction of our practice. So I hope I've succeeded in letting you know why this is so important. It's the, it's the sleeper candidate for the best of the four foundations, <laughs> so to speak. And um, for me, it also, when we watch it, it can give tremendous uh, energy to our practice. It can really be bring the factor of interest, investigation. Oh, let's look at this. Really interesting. So I'll stop here and just invite us to sit for a moment or two in silence, and we'll have some time for discussion. Questions, reflections, observations, please. Let's, let's say our name also. Yeah. Oh. First and then second. Yeah. Oh, you, you, you my know. name's Margie. Yeah. And I had a personal experience with this a couple of years ago. I was flying actually from a retreat in Hawaii. And on the airplane, this woman sat right in front of me, very close. Yeah. And at one point, she dumped her seat back so that I couldn't even move my legs. You know, her head was practically in my lap. And it was very unpleasant. And this is what actually happened. And then later on, I unpacked it with, you know, with this knowledge. I got angry. You know, I went from unpleasant to angry in just a flash and tried to get people to help me deal with it. And, you know, it kind of escalated to where I had to move my seat. And it was really an unpleasant encounter mm. for me, for the airline attendant, for the people sitting around me. And then later on, I went to another retreat where I learned a little about dependent origination as part of it. And what I saw was that if I could have caught myself right when that seat became very unpleasant, it happened so fast, that was the point that I could have turned it around and been free of all those negative emotions. And what I came up with with some help was that one way to do that might be... um, to say loving kindness for myself mm-hmm. for having to suffer this discomfort mm-hmm. um, or just get up and move on my own without involving other people. Mm-hmm. But the thing that is so difficult is that catching yeah. has to happen so quickly. That's, that's the lesson I learned. Yeah. So uh, Margie gives the example, I'll just repeat this, um, the example of being on an airplane and having an unpleasant experience of the person in front of her, having the seat way back and really feeling physically very um, uncomfortable, unpleasant, and having that unpleasant just instantly trigger anger and then a bunch of action. Actually, the anger 
anger came after I politely asked if she could put her seat up. No. She said, no, if you, you know, I paid for the seat. If you want to sit somewhere else, <laughs> more comfort, go to first class and pay more. <laughs> so there was actually, what is more complex, there was, a, there was relatively mindful request, which was denied to move the seat and uh, something that could actually, that then triggered anger. And, and um, yeah, I think what's, um, and then noting how quickly some of the reactions come and, so in our practice, that, that is the case. We have to really uh, work with feeling tone a lot and really look at it. And a lot of our reactions do come quickly. When we practice like this, we, we uh, can be attentive also to the reactions. Because if you think of the teaching of feeling tone, there are actually a number of places where we can intervene. If you think of the teaching of dependent arising, which goes contact, feeling tone, let's say desire, and then grasping. We can intervene multiple places there. Sometimes we notice the feeling tone and it, 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 we don't even have the wanting develop. But sometimes we have the feeling tone, then the desire is there, and then the mindfulness kicks in. And then we can, we can be mindful of desire and we don't necessarily grasp, right? It's like that third piece or something like that, third piece of apple pie. Uh, and then, um, and so I can intervene multiple places. I can have really that awareness of the feeling tone, which sometimes just prevents the cycle from continuing. But I can also sometimes, even when it goes to desire or aversion, which could, in your example, could mean thoughts in the mind, forming negative thoughts, maybe anger. And you could say, let me just be with this. And then you could say, what's a wise response? Again, none of this is about passivity. Uh, you know, and it would make sense, you know, to act in that situation as best one can, right? But we're, we're especially just wanting to notice. So the, the um, quickness of the reactions is true. And that has to be really, we need um, mindfulness and reflection and wisdom. A lot can really be helpful of reflecting after the fact. It doesn't happen just in the moment if we say, okay, what happened with that interaction? And it's three hours later. Really reflecting on it can be helpful because we could reflect, okay, he said this, she said this, I went there, I reacted. And to notice that sequence and notice and kind of even reflectively can really be helpful. So it's not all mindfulness in the moment. But, but that, that can be helpful. But it's, it takes a lot of time, energy, and uh, patience to kind of cut through a lot of the automatic patterns. So especially our ones that we've been actually like doing for 30 years or 40 years or whatever. Because we do have some patterns like that. Okay, um, please. Uh, my name is Jane. Um, could you make a few more comments on neutral? Oh, yeah. Um, what I'm wondering is, is neutral a combination of pleasant, unpleasant that balances, each, cancels each other out? Yeah. My other wondering is... Um, is neutral, I know you can space out, but is it the most easy, it's, is it the easiest mind state to um, met, uh, be mindful in because you're not quite so reactive as you would be with pleasant and unpleasant? Mm -hmm. It seems like neutral to me is the most desirable because pleasant goes away. Yeah, so a question about neutral um, really, what is it? 
how do we, you know, and then how do we explore it? Is it, is it the easiest to pay attention to? Um, the, the actual term in the Pali language, I think it's, I don't know if it's, no, it's not there on the handout, is um, if, we, if we would translate it literally, it would be not pleasant, not painful. Uh, that, you know, it's uh, e dukkha, e sukha. <laughs> dukkha is the unpleasant, and sukha is like, kind of like sugar, is like the, uh, is the pleasant. The, it would literally it means not uh, what we translate as neutral is not painful, not pleasant. So it's um, you know and maybe from a from a certain point of view it's just what's in the middle. And maybe it maybe when we actually look at it, well, if we really look really really closely, maybe it's a little bit on one side or the other. You know, it's not like this complete mathematical center, right? So I think it's more the range in the middle that we that we mean by neutral, and it's uh, you know again it's uh, it, it sometimes is elusive. Um, generally, you know, generally I think that our uh, you know we're we're partly biologically wired to look out for pleasant and unpleasant. I, mean, I didn't mention that, but that's some of some of the background here is the biological wiring. You know, we're we're wired to look out for threats. You know, unpleasant, or you know, if I stick my finger in a fire, it's unpleasant, and that has biological value <laughs> to, you know, to react like that. You know, it's just like we kind of take that biological basis and we take it to an extreme with every part of our experience, where it becomes dysfunctional, right? And similarly, pleasant experiences. You know, maybe classically, uh, you know, pleasant experiences were related to. Um, survival and procreation, right? Food, you know, pleasant sensations related to eating, survival, um, sexuality, and so forth, that, that there's some biological value there. And so we, but we, um, so, so those tend to be more interesting to us, right? Because there's a biological basis for why we're not biologically wired to attend to neutral. <laughs> Right, because it's there's not you know nothing's going on, none of our basic human dramas are happening, and so it's a little more subtle, and so um, yeah, it could be. I think sometimes we can actually develop mindfulness with neutral objects. Sometimes a little more easily. Actually, surprisingly, in meditation, one of the most uh, one of the ways that we actually can develop a lot of mindfulness is with the unpleasant sensations when they're there, because they really take our attention. We don't space out so much with unpleasant sensations often. So if you, you know, if you would work with maybe like just even the, the thumb on the hand creating some pressure and stay with that, you'll actually find that, that the mind stays pretty concentrated with strong sensations. Whereas if there are weaker sensations, it will tend to be harder to pay attention, generally. Yeah. So it's an interesting one, and we we don't we we um, we don't give as much attention to the neutral, but it's something really to like you can do this practice of just noticing the neutral when it's there and staying with it and watching what happens with the mind. It's another possible practice. Yeah, thank you.
Um, Adrian. Um, when we talk about it, it sounds like you're sitting and then you get blindsided by a feeling, mm -hmm. that, you know, pleasant, unpleasant. But what do you do when you're anticipating that it's going to be unpleasant when you go to grandma's house and, you know, Uncle Stosh is there and, you know, it's going to be rough. So, it, it, I mean, that... <laughs> Hypothetical example. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, that, that changes the yeah. dynamic, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I think I'll, I'll end with response to this question, last question, <clears throat> in terms of time. So what to do with a situation where one anticipates, in this case, an unpleasant experience? Or you could, we could do it the other way. You're going to a big Thanksgiving meal. Hopefully many of us have that option. And you anticipate, at least on the food side of things, pleasant experiences. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, it may be pleasant experiences with the food and possibly unpleasant experiences with Uncle, what was his name? Stosh. Stosh, <laughs> with, with Uncle Stosh. So what to do with when we anticipate that? Well, it actually, uh, I mean, a few things. Um, actually, you can use those uh, situations to study pleasant and unpleasant because you have a good chance that they're going to be there. And so you can actually, you know, uh, you can... Um, you can devote a certain amount of your attention to inner exploration at the same time that you're interacting with others. They will not notice that you're doing that, <laughs> by and large, unless you, you know, do it in some obvious way, like you go, you know, Hi, Uncle Stash. Om Mani Padme Hum. Which probably would not be skillful, but it depends on your relationship. But in any case, uh, yeah, you can, uh, maybe a few things. It depends on, the, of course, the intensity of the experience. But you can actually, if it's, if, it's, um, if it's workable, you can actually try to be attentive in the moment. You can go in and say, this is likely to happen. When it happens, I'm going to try to notice uh, the unpleasant sense, and notice any tendency to reactions. Because again, the real goal of this practice is to um, notice the reactive tendencies enough so that they essentially over time lose their power and we develop more freedom. That's what this is about. That's what this practice is about. And so to actually have a chance to study strong reactions in the moment can be really valuable. And, um, and so, if that feels appropriate, you can do that some in the moment. Uh, if you've had a strong reaction and you're, you know, it's, un you know, you and Uncle Stosh just are getting at it again together, you know, and uh, one, another little, little pra very simple practice would just be to take a break. Take a break, go to the bathroom, and, um, Watch your mind. Watch what's happening. Take a break and notice what's going on. Notice, again, what we're really looking for here is to see the sense of pleasant or unpleasant and then notice the reactions that are tending. And the reactions can be of many, many levels. There can be emotions. There, it can go into storylines. It can go into blaming. It can go into judgmental mind. 
it can go into um, um, planning, it can go into memories, it can go into fantasizing, it can go into all these things. You know, the, I didn't give so much attention to that, but the reactive mind can really, really go. What we're particularly looking for are the main tendencies of the reactive mind. So in that situation, you could look at it there, and then maybe later again you can come back home and reflect what happened. Because these kind of situations can be important for our learning process. You know, because we're, we're situations in which we tend to be reactive. You know, and again, this is independent of how you actually respond to Uncle Stosh. Is that really his name? Stashu. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's okay. This is okay. This is all confidential, by the way. <laughs> we don't want Uncle Stosh to be. You know, did you hear that about Uncle Stosh? And it goes all around all of the Bay Area and becomes, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, but things travel, you know. <laughs> Internet or someone, I don't, I don't know if Uncle Stosh tweets, but you know, <laughs> but you know, things things happen, and you have to be have to be discreet. <laughs> okay, okay, so um, good. So my invitation, see, you know, I'm, I have a choice point for next time. How many of you would like to give a little more attention to feeling tone next time? and really invite you to study it in the next week, and then we come back and we look at it some more. Uh, how many of you would like to do that? How many of you would, the alternative is to go on to the third foundation next time. How many of you would prefer that? Okay, so it's kind of even. <laughs> neutral, <laughs> neutral feeling. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, let me, um, what we'll do, in any case, give attention in the next week to feeling tone. We will definitely, I may do a hybrid, but I definitely will have time to look, to report back on what happened with feeling tone next time. And, and I, I love this teaching so much, I may, you know, maybe review the teaching and then have more time for a discussion. So, you know, our, our stories, how to work with it and so forth. So, you have the instructions on different ways to work with it. and. Um, please, how many of you would like to look at feeling tone in the next week? Okay. Or how many of you don't want to do it, but it's, think it's a good idea? <laughs> okay. Unpleasant feeling tone, but wisdom says do it. <laughs> okay, um, good. So let's sit quietly and let your intention for the next day or the next week be there. What's the intention coming out of today? And then we close with a traditional dedication of merit, which is to ask that the fruits of our practice be beneficial to ourselves, be beneficial to all those with whom we're in touch and contact, and then also be beneficial beyond the boundaries of Spirit Rock, beyond the boundaries of our own context, be beneficial for all beings, <coughs> be beneficial for their freedom, healing, and transformation in all parts of the world. 
So thank you for your kind attention and happy Thanksgiving. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.